Yo, what's going on, guys? You're listening to the Good In Your Hood podcast. This is episode five, and today's guest is Kimberly Cross. She is a kindergarten teacher in Tacoma, Washington, and then on the weekends, she's got her gear and pack all set for big mountain climbing. She is a certified mountaineer, so she likes hiking, mountain climbing, and ice climbing. Any season, doesn't matter, all, all types of weather, she's good to go. She's got that can-do attitude. You know, guys, and we... We all go through our own difficulties in life, and there's things that happen that we have no control over, but we have to make sure that we continue to move forward to get to where we want to go. And some people don't see limits. They just keep going, and they do their very best. I really appreciate people like that. Kimberly is one of those people. She's got an incredible story. I can't wait to bring it to you. I'm not going to talk too long because it's a little long of an episode, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. And that's why I wanted to keep it going and just let her talk. So um, here's Yippa with Happy to See You. ONPS, her Instagram is incredible. Up close and personal pictures to some of the biggest mountains here in the country. It's at Kimber Bell. Check out her kindergarten quotes of the day. They are hilarious. And then also read the messages at the bottom of the pictures. They are uplifting. All right, guys, enjoy. Hey, everybody, how is it going? You are listening to The Good in Your Hood, and today I have the privilege of getting the chance to talk to Kimberly Cross, a mountaineer, a kindergarten teacher, an extraordinary person with a very positive outlook. Kim, it's nice to have you on. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. We are at the Tacoma Public Library. Is that... Is University Place. University Place Public Library um, on the southbound of Tacoma. Uh, just a few miles away from Lake Washington or the Puget Sound. Yeah, mm-hmm. Puget Sound's Puget right Sound. out there. Yeah, yeah really close to Puget Sound. Yeah, yeah. not the Lake Washington. That's <laughs> up north. Anyways, you are from Washington originally, right? Yep, born and raised from Washington. Did a little stint in Kansas City. Got my master's, and then was like, I miss the mountains. Yeah. Too many tornadoes. I'm going back <laughs> west. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. Definitely reasonable to uh, understand why. First off, Washington is beautiful from corner to corner to corner to corner. Um, Mm -hmm. It's covered in water. It's covered in mountains. Volcanoes. We're next to the ocean. We've got a a rainforest that's just another 45 miles away from here. Mm -hmm. When did you first find the love for the outdoors? You know, I grew up with a dad who loved to fish and loved to hunt. So my childhood was sports and fishing, and that was the outdoors for me. It wasn't until I came back from Kansas City in my mid-20s where suddenly I had all these friends post-college and were not that loved to go hiking. And so in my later 20s, the hikes just started to increase and they got longer and turned into <laughs> backpacking trips, not just day trips. Yeah. Um, my gear closet started growing and yeah every year it just kind of got more intense and I said okay this is fun now what's the next thing and what's the the next piece of sweet gear I can get to take me farther up um, 
a mountain. So you have literally been, I feel like, every inch of the outdoors here in Washington. You've climbed Mount Rainier. Yeah, if you if you yeah if you'd go through the list <laughs> that would be real cool if you could just rattle off yeah. some of those mountains and yeah, those volcanoes see. that you've been climbing mm-hmm. so Rainier for sure um, Mount Olympus in the Olympics um, obviously Mount St Helens it's pretty easy when you get to Mount Hood Glacier Peak El Dorado there's been rock climbs uh, Kangaroo Temple South Early Winter Spire the Tooth just a lot of smaller peaks in the Tatoosh range. I have two climbs even this month um, up steeper routes, Lane Peak, and then Uthold Kular on, on Hood. So it just, the volcanoes are there and there's tons of routes on each mountain. So I go up a different one each time as my skills increase. But yeah. They're magnificent. Been, These they're volcanoes out here stick up. I mean, you'll be driving through Seattle, which is about uh, 40 miles north of Mount Rainier, and this thing is just popping out of the earth, and it's mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. It's it really is. incredible. Um, what was your first big hike? My first big hike, uh, pre-mountaineering days, I did a through, kind of like a three, four day through like, the enchantments. Mm. And that, I mean, I think set my eyes on mountains in a way that it never had. What was that feeling like? Uh, Well, you are so far away from civilization and you live with what is on your back. And for four days, I mean, four days of backpacking, I look now and I'm like, oh, that is, you know, luxury living. Uh, But at that same time, I just remember like, oh my goodness, like, we're going 18 miles in four days and it was unfathomable to me and you know i've been on mountain climbs like olympus is 44 miles round trip so uh i yeah my my early my first big hike through the enchantments i think you know showed me like wow it is it's work to be outside but it brings life the one thing i i saw actually you know we, this is the first time that we've met. This is the first time that we've actually gotten to speak in person. When I moved to Washington, I was looking at different Instagrams and finding people that, like me, love to, to hike, love to be outdoors. And I'm always looking for another trail to go to yeah. that um, pushes my limits, puts me out in nature, my favorite place to be. And like you were saying, when you were in the enchantments, it gave you this new appreciation, this desire to go mountaineering, to push yourself a little bit further than you've gone before because the food you're eating is on your back, there's no gas station, there's nothing like hospitable about Mm -hmm. being in the wilderness Mm -hmm. Um, besides the sun, the stars, shade, and hopefully some rain-free spots Mm -hmm. um (laughs) one post that i saw where you were talking about going up the mountain to look at how far you could see down look at where you came from when you work hard at something you can take a look back and like this could be metaphorically for almost any other subject you get to a certain spot you look back down when the sun is up and you realize how far you've been going yeah what else have the mountains taught you in that regard you know the mountains have really taught me how grand this not only state is but just this earth and how small i am and you know i just think of 
you know, standing on Rainier and being able to see into Eastern Washington and just see the vastness of the Olympics from there and how quiet it was. And it's just this serene feeling that you feel so at peace, um, you feel so worked, and you feel so small, and yet you feel so connected to the earth or to the state, to the mountain. You feel so connected there. And, you know, mountaineering, climbing, backpacking, that's not, for me, a solo activity. For most people, that's not a solo activity. You know, you're with a team um, or you're with your friends, and you know with mountaineering it's if you're on a glacier or a rock climb you're tying into that person and your lives are connected literally and i have found that i am with a team of people that i know are qualified but i don't really know them and at the end of a climb just the bond that you have is almost indescribable to the next person you know you, you i can't really express or share that feeling of standing on the summit of Rainier that I can with the team that I was with, you know, that we worked together, we powered each other through it. And that's what I really also appreciate about being in the mountains and what I've learned. It's you, you feel so alone, you feel so small, you feel so at peace, but then you feel so connected to the people that you're with. And, you know, in the realm of mountaineering, and the organization out here that I'm a part of, the Mountaineers, you know, there's such diversity in it now. People of every type of background and nationality, and it's inspiring to get to know people from different countries, different walks of life. And every climb I'm on, I'm like, I meet someone that grew up in an entirely different part of the world. And you just have a bond with each other that you never would have. You know, our lives would never have crossed and suddenly the mountains have, have brought culture together and have brought people together and you were depending on each other yeah. in such an intimate and intense way. And it changes you and it changes your perspective of people and um, you just grow to appreciate anyone and everyone. Um, and it's an honor to climb with people um, and friendships continue after that. And so th- those are, I think, the two things that I just absolutely love. Um, you know, it's just the relationship you build with people and then the relationship you build with in yourself to the mountains, to the nature around you. Yeah. I want to put, I want to help put people, uh, I want to give perspective on what it's like to climb Mount Rainier. I haven't done it. I would love to, but I, I still need to work out my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, love running, love working out, but Rainier is a different animal. Like you're starting from, is it 3,000 vertical feet? Uh, down in paradise, it's around 5,000. 5,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And so to get to Camp Muir on the paradise side, if you were to choose the routes that start from there, um, the DC route is kind of the main one that all of the guide services take, um, brand new climbers, but Camp Muir is at 10,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And so the hike just from Paradise to Camp Muir, it's kind of an all day thing. Yeah. A good workout. Yes. And um, yeah, that's kind of where you set up base camp. And especially for new climbers or just with a bigger team, it's usually a three day climb. Because you're working up to Camp Muir, day two, climbing up to the peak, which is 14,030 feet? Uh, 14,400. 
14, four. Yeah. That's so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Climbing back down that same day, day two, to Camp Muir. And then going all the way down on day three? It usually will depend. Like, it varies team to team. Um, but on average, it's get to Camp Muir, say, on a Friday. Um, and maybe by the afternoon, you set up camp, make dinner enjoy that and then you go to sleep you wake up the next day and based on your team and skills you can either do snow school and so you'll see a lot of the rmi guides kind of showing everyone like the mountaineering skills the the traveling on a rope or the self-arresting with your ice axe just kind of practicing those skills crevasse rescue all those things and that whole day is kind of a acclimate day because you know we're sea level people and so i mean there's 14ers in colorado that people can drive up to practically you know where they live at to ten thousand feet and then you've got a four thousand foot summit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but it is Mm -hmm. something nice about doing the whole damn thing oh yeah and so you really value that day to acclimate and breathe a lot differently yeah. and you're like wow i took two steps and i feel like i ran a mile um so that second day is acclimating some snow school a lot of people decide to go from camp muir um break down camp and go up to ingram flats that's kind of like a second base camp a little farther up and make camp there and then you go to bed around like 5 p.m you wake up at like midnight and then you go to the summit and you're at the summit by, you know, sunrise, 7 a.m. And then you come all the way back down that whole day. So mm-hmm. pretty much your last day is descent wow. day. Yeah. Okay. So some people have done it car to car and they are superhuman. Um, and it just depends on, you know, the 13, 14 different routes on Rainier, what you do. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think that one has been the most taxing and requires the most focus. And I remember getting out of my tent at 11 p.m. and looking up and, you know, the stars and the moon, they light up the summit and you're looking at it and your heart just starts beating because you realize I have to walk this whole thing in the dark and there's crevasses and I'm still tired, but I'm amped. And I mean, it's a flurry of emotions and it's... It's a beautiful feeling, uh, and I, I still, to this day, can just go back to that moment of me sitting in the tent looking up and like, what have I done? <laughs> what yeah. am I about to do? But like you're saying, there is a bit of aloneness when you're climbing up because you can't really just have all these discussions when your body is from sea level mm-hmm. going up to 10,000 to 14.4, and you're kind of in your mind. Yeah. What gives you that mental toughness? I think going up when it's so dark, you're so focused on controlled breathing, controlled rest steps, you know, so you can get as much as much oxygen to your brain and your blood flow and then you can, you know, rest when you're waiting for your team to kind of traverse around and handle rope management. Um, but you know, in that moment, it's what motivates me is thinking about that summit, thinking about the sunrise. Um, I remember there was a point in time when I was just really, really tired and really, really cold. 
and just fighting that mental exhaustion and thinking like one foot in front of the other one foot. And so you're really thinking about the system because there's really not a huge margin of error. Like I don't want to trip and start falling and you know, it just can lead to uh, a lot of incidents that you don't want to experience on the mountain. But that mental toughness of like one step at a time, I'm going that next point, like once you start seeing things and once the start, sun starts rising, you're just kind of in awe of your surroundings and yeah. just the shape of the earth is different at that height. And I remember just feeling so drained and so tired and at the same time that glow starts to show itself in the horizon. and all the colors start forming and there's like this green haze and it turns pink and red and right when I was like I can't do this we have so far to go I'm so tired like that sun pierces the horizon and it just like lights up everything to where it's almost like this explosion and your eyes are just like wide open because it's instant like it's morning and then you see everything around you and you are just in awe of how high you are and you're almost like, how did I get here? Between how exhausted and sleep deprived you are, yeah. I can imagine that would yeah. be a dreamlike state. Yeah, it does feel like a dream, otherworldly, especially for your first time. And um, Well, there's days that I'm looking out at Mount Rainier from Cary Park and there's clouds that are hanging somewhere in the middle of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And it looks like Mount Olympus. Mm -hmm. It really looks like something out of Greek mythology. Like <laughs> this is where Zeus goes and throws lightning bolts. And it's mm -hmm. just otherworldly. Yeah. Especially yeah. coming from the east. And even Colorado. Like I love the Colorado Rockies. But Mount Rainier is the most beautiful thing I've seen yet. And... I hope I see many more beautiful things in this life, but you can't help but stare at it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's just a magnificent mountain and getting to stand at the top is very, very humbling. And then the entire descent is just miserable and we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. So you're a mountaineer mm -hmm. and you climb. Tell us a little bit about the climbing. Yeah. So... Um, I'm going into, I believe, my fourth fourth year mountaineering. Um, it kind of happened upon me one day. Um, I had another friend who loved backpacking. And this one night on a Tuesday, I still remember I called her, you know, just crying. I had just um, had a boyfriend break up with me. He... Was struggling with a lot in his own life and knew mm. that he could not love me well and so it was better that he let me go and I look back I have so much respect for that move he made as much as it hurt at that time I don't know if I would have gone into mountaineering so I called her yeah. I told her and she at the exact same time exact same day also had her boyfriend break up with her for similar reasons and so here we are without our you know boyfriends who were skiers and climbers and we're like, what do we do? Like our hearts are broken. And she's like, you know what? There's this thing called the Mountaineers and there's a basic Alpine course and I think we should do it because we want to go climb Rainier, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's do this. And it wasn't like, you know, screw men. Not at all. It was like, our hearts hurt. Let's go like 
work them. Champion now. yourselves. Yeah, let, let's go explore a brand new community together. You know, yeah. we, had, we had each other to kind of lean off of. And that's kind of the catalyst um, that propelled me into what is now such a normal and exciting part of my life. You know, I took the basic Alpine course and that whole first summer being a teacher, you know, you're, you have your summers off and so you're climbing and you're able to afford that lifestyle and you're getting paid to climb almost. It's yeah. truly, truly a privilege. Um, as hard as teaching is for nine months out of the year, um, it's really sweet to know I have summers where I can invest in climbing. But I did the Alpine, basic Alpine course, um, and that got me on all the mountains my first year, you know, Rainier to El Dorado, Olympus. Um, in a span of nine days, I climbed Olympus, which is a four day wow. climb, yeah. 44 miles. And then I rock climbed the Tooth. It's a multi pitch climb. And then I had like a 12 hour turnaround from the Tooth to my Rainier climb. So in nine days, I climbed three different um, peaks. And Just felt like I've got everything to give right now uh, and I'm going to give it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I realized Rainier was, you know, the, the last summit of that nine-day push that this gives me so much life and so much joy. Like, yeah. I want to do this for the rest of my days just as much as I want to do teaching. Yeah. And so the next year I did um, Intermediate. And that is their next course you could take to teach you how to lead climb, whether it's glacier or rock, and then even ice climb. And that's kind of where this year my story is unfolding as an ice climber. Yeah. You know, because I was born with a disability. Yeah. Guys, real quick. Kim was born without five fingers on her right hand. Mm -hmm. She's got a bit of a palm, mm -hmm. but you were just born different. The things that you've been able to do, the life that you are living, I don't believe that you've got a disability because you have done more in the span of 32 years, even in these past 10 years, than most people will do in their entire lives. I don't mean to talk for you. I'm just saying that you were born different, but you've been writing your own incredible story. It directly reflects upon you, your spirit, your heart everything about you as a person. So I meant that as completely respectfully. Oh, absolutely. You absolutely. Were, you're just the bomb. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you. I, you know, there's such an amazing change in our culture right now with inclusivity and diversity. Um, and it includes this adaptive climbing community, this adaptive world. And for me, you know, the more I think about it, like, I haven't really had to adapt being born this way. Like nothing was taken from me. So I've just learned how to do everything from day one. And that's how, that's how I do it. That's there is only it. one way to do it. You know, yeah. I didn't lose my hand and then have to relearn everything and have to adapt. Now I have to do everything differently. And so I'm, I am thankful in that sense. And I think the family that I was raised in, you know, I had a dad that was just fully supportive, like didn't treat me any different, was like, you're going to go play basketball and whatever you like, you love it and you love fast pitch and, and I'm here for you and I'm going to coach you and I'm going to encourage you and you're going to be the faster one. You're going to be, you know, and he just, it was a matter of like, can you do this? Like, is this okay? For me, I just never saw myself as having a disability. Yeah. It just, 
you know, I don't think I realized it until I started liking boys and I was like, oh, I'm kind of different. What are they going to think? And, um, and then I was just dominating them in sports and that we were all buddies. And so, you know, they forgot too as well, you know, and, you know, going into the climbing world, it's, um, I didn't think twice about, I have one hand and I'm going to go start climbing with people and belaying people and repelling off mountains like I'm gonna do it it's normal and then you realize like oh wait a lot of this requires two hands well I'm gonna figure out how I can do it with like two and a half hands Um, and I really owe my success to um, really this Mountaineers organization and a lot of the instructors you know I show up and kind of quickly meet the the people heading it up and in charge and um this one man scott sichel uh, he was a former military um, guy and right away he was like hey i see that you have one hand and the committee who's focused on safety is gonna have questions but you're gonna be able to do everything and you're gonna show that you're safe and you don't get a free pass for anything you're just gonna do it all and so you know growing up having a supportive father a supportive mother and friends and family and then going into the mountaineers and having a supportive community of like hey we believe in you like you're going to be able to do this it really um i think was the the motivating factor the the additional not only do i believe in myself and yeah i'm gonna do it yeah i can believe people like safely that's not an issue but it just became a safe space to be able to be who I am and be that person that works hard and overcomes any challenge I face. And that's just kind of how the story went and, you know, repelling and blaming people and them seeing like, Oh yeah, you got it. You can do it safely. Like everything's great. You're leading people. You know, when, when ice climbing became a part of the curriculum in the intermediate course, then I realized, okay, holding an ice tool with my right hand, yeah, that's going to be a challenge. Um, and I started becoming more vocal with my mountaineering journey on Instagram and more vocal with the stories and really had never been open about having one hand because there, you know, growing up, there was a little bit of like, you know, I don't want people to like, you know, think I'm less than or it's mostly an an internal process. You know, kids go through with their insecurities and, you know, mine was my hand as bold and outgoing and as happy as a girl that I was. I was also very afraid of like being seen as less than or less than pretty or less than capable. And so, you know, Instagram was like a huge jump of like, okay, a ton of strangers and I'm just showing my disability and talking about my disability and actually I'm kind of okay with this. Like no one's like freaking out. I'm not freaking out anymore. This is great. And so I would say, hey, I'm getting into this sport. I'm getting into ice climbing and I need a prosthetics doctor. Like hookups. Who, like, what do I do? And it was amazing the community of support from people that were heavily in the climbing community and had influence you know from athletes to photographers that were just like oh here's a contact for this company here's a contact for this company and and so it was just so cool to be so supportive and a prosthetic doctor you know heard about my story and was like hey i want to do this for free 
I've never done it. What is ice climbing? You know, I'm a prosthetic doctor for athletes, but never mountaineer. You know, and a year went by and this entire tool was custom made for me on this prosthetic and um, it used a Petzl ice tool. I just got back last week from Ure in Colorado. Yeah, beautiful town. Oh, so gorgeous. You know, there's this organization called Paradox Sports and they host a bunch of different outdoor activities, rock climbing, ice climbing, um, for adaptive climbers. Climbers that have visual impurities or amputated legs and arms, I mean, just all kinds of disabilities, but these people have prosthetics or they have a means to just kick ass and ice climb or rock climb. Like, it was incredible to be around people that- A whole bunch of badasses in one room. Oh my goodness. And and it was the first time that I didn't feel alone. I was like, wow, someone who like fully understands me and I don't have to explain my story. We don't have to like share our story, we can just climb. Yeah. Um, And then like have a beer at the end. Like, it's just been so awesome to be a part of a community that's like, you're an amazing climber. You know, I don't want to be referred as a disabled climber who's really kicking ass. I want to be known as a really good climber. And that is, you know, there's this um, North Face athlete, Maureen Beck. You know, that's something that I heard her say years ago when she started getting to climbing. And, you know, she was born with one arm. And I've been able to form a relationship with her over the past year. And, and I think that really hit it for me where I was like, yeah, like I don't want my story to revolve around how I was born and how it's different from everyone. And oh my gosh, I'm doing this amazing thing. Like, you know, I want to just be known as a really good climber and a person who loves other people really well when she's doing it. And like, I want to climb with her because she just brings the joy and brings the life and brings the hard work. Yeah. Well, you both are living examples of that, and you are on your way. You are on your way of being an incredible climber. Uh, the pictures that you take from your reign and here in Washington are just so cool. The angles that you get, like the people uh-huh. that are taking the pictures, and thinking about climbing up ice is just mm-hmm. abstract in mm-hmm. a way. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, the pioneers weren't really, when they were coming over with wagons, weren't using ice picks to to climb over to get to the other side of the mountain they were just you know rolling through right ice climbing is something that's come along in the last hundred hundred years or you know it really started taking off i would say you know 70s 80s you know jeff lowe is a pioneer of ice climbing you know based out of the san juan mountains in colorado and the history of it you know is just extensive and and incredible and you know, for me, it's really thrilling because I'm able to do it. I looked at it at the beginning and said, like, I can't do it alone. And then to see a team of people around me and a doctor and actually creating something from nothing and just getting so many casts done and, you know, fittings. And then to then take this tool, this like beautiful carbon fiber, titanium, like, aluminum based like tool and get it on and get to climb and get to not only climb you know top rope in a man-made ice park in ERA you know but being taken out with you know other friends who are climbers and you know doing multi-pitch climbs and you know we're placing screws and I'm following and cleaning and you know hanging off of my prosthetic and you know to me it's just such a wild ride and 
as free as I feel ice climbing and doing something that, you know, is, I think, the most dangerous of the climbing. You know, the one rule is don't fall. And you have a lot of sharp objects connected to you. So don't fall, rule number one. And, you know, that that weighs on you. That's a little heavy. and But the adrenaline's there. And I feel free. And simultaneously, you know, ice climbing, it's the first time that I have felt disabled. Because I have this, you know, pretty good-sized tool, like, on my arm. I don't just pick it up like someone else does. Um, And so I go, wow, I'm different. Wow, I have to... You know, the way I put on my clothes and and my jacket and stay warm and, you know, the way I have to, you know, kind of take it off to belay um, and swing leads, you know, it's something that I'm constantly learning how to do and learning how to be faster and more efficient. Um, and, yeah, I was like, wow, I am disabled. I have this arm and my kindergartners kindly refer to it as my robot arm um so their teacher is a robot on the weekends and they just think i'm so cool um but it's again it's been really cool to see the patience of my you know partners when i'm climbing like they just they think it's incredible they've never seen anything like it and um and it's working and so you know i just am like in my life going wow every challenge or every goal that has challenges with it i've just been able to go i see it i want it i got it yeah you're gonna go do it (laughs) yeah and and then this community around me is like yeah you're gonna do it yeah we got your back we got your back you know and, and that is i think what is so vital for humanity so vital for the outdoor outdoor world as it gets more diverse um as we just love each other i think this community of support through people's challenges like man that's what i want to be about and you know people throw around the word inspiring like oh you're inspiring and you know i know sometimes people with disability you know they kind of get weird feelings about it you know because they want to be seen as like hey, I'm in the race, I'm equal, I'm pushing it, like, let's just go and climb, you know, but I also understand, like, I, I want to inspire young kids or the next generation of climbers, um, the next generation of people that are adaptive climbers, you know, or young girls that, hey, you want to go climb that? Like, you can do it, or, you know, you want to become this when you grow up? Like, you can do it, and it's really cool. I, I get direct messages from moms in these pictures and you know this last one I got like a month ago this mom put she had her baby boy in his crib and she just sent it to me and she's like I have a son and he was born without an arm and sure enough you know in that picture and she's like I can't tell you what seeing you do like um is for me like I can't tell you how comforting that is to see there's hope for my kid if they wanted an outdoor life. How much does that push you? I mean, does I that like, just feed the coal into yeah. your furnace yeah. and let that fire burn? Yeah, as a kid who was like, dear Jesus, please grow my hand. I hate this, like I just want my hand. You know, and just thinking like, oh man, if it just grew back, if some miracle just happened, like thinking that was the angle, that is mm. where the power, the power was and where my freedom would lie if I was just like everyone else Mm. 
um, to being a full, fully grown adult. Uh, you know, just a woman now in 32 and just obtaining this level of confidence through mountaineering in not only um, my physical frame and strength wise, um, but also I think, you know, in my beauty, in my hand, just a confidence that wasn't there in the first few decades and how I, the purpose that I see now in having one hand and, you know, it came through as a teacher, you know, at first for sure. It's like, I want these kids to see what a person with one hand is like and how awesome they are and how not that different they are. Like they're normal, you know, and break down that wall. That's what I got to do in my career. And, you know, going on year 10 of that, you know, I see that every year, how I'm just, it's breaking down walls that I'm not even trying that hard. Um, and that motivates me in you know the education world. And now being in the world of mountaineering, I see, wow, that gets to break down a whole new set of barriers, yeah. not only for people around me to be accepting of it, but for people with kids with different limbed situations to go, wow, my kid can absolutely do that. Like nothing is stopping her. Like that's the kind of inspiration that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine with that. Like I want to continue that legacy like I was inspiring young kids to treat each other with love to treat themselves with love yeah you are the good in your hood <laughs> thanks man um <laughs> what motivates you it sounds like your family motivated you a lot early on mm-hmm. um really great parents what motivates you now what motivates me now um I think to be in the mountains and continually push myself, I know that it's a lot of hard work and there's something in me that has always enjoyed hard work. Yeah. Not just in the physical realm, um, just working hard to get my bachelor's, my master's. This year, I've been working all school year on getting my national board certification. Congratulations. Thank you. For what will be coming (laughs) soon enough. Fingers crossed. That is hard work. Um, There's something about me I love a challenge of my mind or I love a challenge of my body and so climbing mountaineering the endurance you have to have the endurance that it gives you those are really motivating factors I mean obviously it's getting a summit bagging the summit saying I've gotten in you know I, I got to this summit and here's some cool pictures you know that's all great and everything but internally what motivates me is I just love to be challenged I think it's yeah. so healthy for our minds and our bodies and it keeps me disciplined you know throughout the year it's like that constant like I am you know working out and spending the time because I have these goals come the summer months or come the winter months you know it's not I want to look great in a bikini it's I want to climb that mountain and I want to do it successfully yeah you know um and with a little less exertion um so you're making progress (laughs) that you were better than you were the day before exactly the lessons that i've taken you know because there's no better spot than being on the top of the mountain Mm -hmm. like i really love that perspective like you were saying of just looking back at how far you've come and realizing that the top of the mountain could be this proverbial goal. Mm-hmm. It could be whatever we want to be yeah. as long as we are working toward it. Yeah. And whenever we put one foot in front of the other, we're getting closer to that goal, even if it's taking a great amount of time. Yeah. Um, we've got the satisfaction of going up some of these mountains and completing them in one day or three days. 
but life's journeys take us up mountains that might take years, they might take decades or whatever, whatever it is. And you're doing that right now too, by living your life, by an example of climbing these mountains so that you can live your, your dreams, but also so that you can continue to, to inspire others, the younger generation, our generation, an older generation, the things that we strive to be, that we just need a little bit of extra kick from the people that are doing these things. You know what? If they can do it, I can do it. I want to do my best in this next venture. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue working and putting my best effort. And if I don't complete this right now, then I want to try it again another time. You yeah, know, it's just... absolutely. And I think, you know, with mountaineering, it's like there's times where we don't reach the summit. You know, we get weathered out or, you know, there's an injury. There's reasons to turn around and that's disheartening, but... The mountains are always going to be there and we go back next season or the next weekend and you know i really think it's it is such a life metaphor you know how important hard work is no matter where we're investing our time into that hard work like we were made for hard work you know it it brings something out of the human soul and i think what helps us be successful whether we fail and try again fail and try again like having a community around you like even if i don't make a summit with my team like we attempted it together we left together we'll go back together and i just think that that's incredible and that is the power of the human spirit you know in us individually and collectively yeah i think that when we clear our egos and we've got an idea a goal that we want to to go after we leave those egos behind and at the door we can accomplish a lot more than than what we thought we could if we're willing to go that next step that extra mile where do you want to go next you know i've done a lot in washington there's still a few peaks i mean i'll never be done climbing in washington there's so much um but i would love to start doing international climbs as my community of climbers has grown and just the connections I've made. You know, I've been able to ice climb in Utah and Colorado already this year, and I really like kind of expanding my mountaineering horizons, locations. Um, I would love to do that internationally. And as an educator, you know, like I've said before, like my identity is not the mountains. Like I could get hurt and not be able to go out there again, you know, and it's reality. But I think as an educator, as a mountaineer, like, I want to continue to challenge myself and to continue to push those boundaries of, you know, what is being an excellent teacher, what is being an excellent climber, and knowing that that's going to take work and that's going to take years and I'm not going to be a 5'10 climber tomorrow. Mm -hmm. and, um, so I think my goals right now are just to continue to build that community of climbing in that climbing world and continue to travel and climb. And, you know, I don't know what opportunities will be out there as far as, you know, being able to show more young climbers who maybe are like me or have similar needs um, that, hey, this is something you can do. You know, there's some amazing organizations that support, you know, diversity in the outdoors and all the different ways. And I would just 
love for you know my voice to bring any kind of awareness and support to that and motivate other people um yeah so climb harder and farther and continue to motivate beautiful what is your biggest accomplishment yet (laughs) this tough one i know right you know i think my biggest accomplishment is overcoming self-hatred with my hand and how Mm. i was made and overcoming the shyness. I was this bold, joy-filled, athletic child, and you would never have known that on the inside, like I just secretly like held such a shame and an embarrassment about my hand and would hide it. And yet I'm on the varsity basketball team, like, you know, dribbling and you know, I'm the point guard, like people know. And yet at the same time, you know, I'd walk around with my hands in my pockets and, you know, try to keep this secret. And to see myself now, like I never really knew that I would get here to a point where, you know, I was open and willing to walk around with both my hands by my sides, you know, or to be able to be on a team climbing, you know, and, and not worry about what I looked like or what people thought of me. And I think that is such an accomplishment that I don't even know if I owe it to myself. Like, good job. You made it through that. You know, I, again, I think it's my community and, and just growth, but you know, it's easy to say, Oh, climbing Rainier and Oh, ice climbing successfully as an adaptive climber, you know, but I really think it's like overcoming fear of man, Yeah. you know, Mm -hmm. overcoming fear of failure and really being myself because when that became the reality that I sought after, you know, after that breakup and after joining the Mountaineers and I just, I walk differently. I walk with my held held high. I walk with a joy in my life. Life isn't perfect. Yeah. It's it, even on Instagram, it's obvious. <laughs> and you know, and life's not perfect. And you know, Instagram doesn't show the days that I'm just like, oh, this is so hard. I'm, you know, life is hard in so many ways. Like that's normal. That's a part of our walk and our progress. But I'm just so thankful that I can look back and go like, oh my gosh, I I overcame that challenge, that internal struggle to really accept myself, Hmm. you know, and to see all the doors that have opened because I've accepted myself and I've been bold to just be myself around other people, you know, and so yeah, that's my, Hmm. my big takeaway. Do you have an inspiring quote or a person or a thought that you think of periodically more days than not? You know, I really do. There's this quote from a woman named Misty Edwards, and she lives out in Kansas City. If you don't quit, you win. And that's something that I heard her say. And for me, I hear that in my mind when I'm on the mountains. Like I hear her singing that. I hear that that bit of song, a bit of the lyrics in there. And for me, it's it's so true, not just in mountaineering, you know, but obviously in every sphere of life, it's so applicable. Like, if you don't quit, you win. And turning back, having to turn back or failing, like, that's not quitting. I don't consider that quitting, you know, but it's like if I continue to try and if I continue to push myself and if I don't quit, I win. You can go back up that mountain that you have turned around on today but you can go back up it next week or another time the proverbial mountain whatever it might be you can try it again that's awesome what a quote if you don't quit you win kim 
You are an incredible person. This has been such an honor to talk with you because you. of, the, seriously, the light you bring is very vibrant. Um, guys, I told you at the beginning of the episode in the intro to check out Kim's Instagram at KimberBell. You have listened to another episode of The Good in Your Hood, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you again. Thank you.